0: And welcome to another edition of the NFL road show. Now fully engaged in training camp with a game coming up on Thursday that will feature a Mason Rudolph Garrett Gilbert matchup at quarterback, which is what we all signed up for whatever. We all know that that is the way that the preseason goes now, still a great opportunity to scout some larger themes and new players and get a look at rookies for the first time. Of course, we won't see all of them. We've already seen a few injuries happen in training camp. Devontae Smith and Philly out for three to five weeks with an MCL. Carson Wentz, the biggest injury we've seen so far, knock on wood, out for five to 12 weeks for the Colts. So they've got some decisions to make at quarterback. And I know that they're saying that they're not going to trade for a veteran at this time. But I truly believe the important part of that statement is at this time. um, I will be very surprised. If they don't make a move to bring in a vet who can start some games while Carson is out and who could step in. If the injury flares up again, later, there's just no benefit to them acknowledging their desperation at this point from a negotiating standpoint, doesn't help their cause. So that is a case where I think you just read between the lines rather than take literally what everyone in Indianapolis is staying right now. So Colts have been a big story. And so have, again, still, the COVID test results and protocols. We're back doing all of that again. Vikings practicing with three quarterbacks this week that you have probably never heard of because their three primary quarterbacks are all in the COVID protocol because Kellen Mond tested positive and the two other were deemed to be close contacts. It feels super deja vu-y and a little bit disheartening, frankly, for all of us, I think, because it was just starting to feel like we were getting out of the woods Then along comes this Delta variant, and the whole thing kind of feels up in the air again. And I realize that we all have fatigue where this subject matter is concerned, and I think we're all tired of arguing about it or being talked at about it. So I definitely do not want to do that on this show. But I do think it's helpful to try and understand what the landscape actually looks like. In the NFL with regards to COVID, because that information is going to influence how the season ultimately goes down, how outbreaks will be managed in season, how vaccination rates could impact competition. Is your team going to end up with a competitive advantage or disadvantage because of this? How might all of this impact your fantasy team? Cole Beasley, for instance, right? Super outspoken about his vaccination stance. Well, I just did a best ball draft where he went in the 14th round way below where I think he should have gone just based on potential return. This is a guy who had five 100-yard games last year. He was wide receiver 27 in fantasy. He's on one of the best offenses in the NFL. It's got to be concerned about his status, availability. Are they going to cut him? So from a pure information standpoint, I think that there are a lot of questions that we could all benefit from hearing the answers to. So I have called on my friend, Tom Pelissero, who's sort of become the NFL Network's vaccination expert as of late. He's done some wonderful reporting and has kindly made some time to lay things out for us and hopefully clear some things up in the middle of a training camp tour from a hotel in Indianapolis. Let's break the huddle.
1: Let's go. Two on, two on, two. Ready? Ready?
0: Tom Pellicero, fresh off a two hour drive from Cincinnati, coming to us from a very well decorated hotel room in Carmel, Indiana. I'm liking the backdrop that I'm looking at here on Zoom, Tom.
1: You got a lot of big time guests, Lindsay, but how many of them <laughs> have a chandelier Woo-hoo! in the shot? So not bad,
0: fancy and an espresso machine. I'm just happy yeah. that, you know, you'll be highly caffeinated for this conversation. Drinking. Not, your that, shot I of need, espresso. not that
1: I need it. As no. you know, uh, energy level is generally a strength for me, but yeah, never, <laughs> never hurts to have a little boost. How's the training camp tour going so far this year? Uh, it's been for me, it's been kind of limited so far because I started out in Green Bay, uh, you know, on Aaron Rodgers watch, which was really how I spent the previous several months uh, as well from my basement. Um, you know, but obviously he showed up. So I got back and saw the Vikings for a couple of days. They had a unique situation play out on Saturday while I was there. Um, then hit Cincinnati. Now I'm in Indy and I just got off. Uh, you'll appreciate this, Lindsay, about a 20 minute call uh, with Dave shot about where I go from Seattle, because there's not many places that you can fly direct from Seattle. So figuring those things out, is it a good idea for me to be (laughs) on a plane for six hours to Atlanta on Monday? I've got to make these decisions after we're done here and uh, figure out exactly what I'm doing.
0: Well, that's good that you get to at least have a say in these decisions. That's like how you know you've really made it, right? You're not just going where they tell you that you have to go.
1: They've been pretty good. Um, with it, you know, and this year is unique too, because of the, the COVID restrictions, uh, there's credential limits for teams. And so I know of the PR people, there's a lot that they're navigating, the protocols keep changing. And what's, what really jumps out at me is that every team is doing things differently right now, uh, because to a certain degree, they're able to set their own rules. So there are some teams that you need to COVID test on site, take a rapid test the day that you're there. Uh, There's other teams that just yet to approve, you know, 14 days, you know, show them your vault test result. And then they, um, you know, allow you in the previous 14 days. And there's different things in terms of how far, you know, exactly how can you be set up when you're talking to someone? Do you have to wear a mask while you're talking to someone? There's no right or wrong answers. I think that's one thing that we've come to understand through this process is, you know, we, we know what the science is, we or at least we know what the CDC's current recommendations are. Uh, it's obviously a complicated and evolving uh, subject because it remains a, a, you know, novel and emerging virus. Uh, and so, you know, the NFL is, you know, as much as we continue to talk about full stadiums and the expectation is that you're gonna play another full season, um, you know, there's gonna be new challenges that arise with that over the course of 2021 and that's already begun with some of the different protocol updates that have taken place um you know things just you know things as small or relatively small as unvaccinated players now don't have to wear masks in practice family members can come on to the field after practice but there's different protocols depending on what percentage of players are vaccinated uh and it's definitely a point of frustration for some people because you don't have clear answers but again when you're dealing with a an emerging virus and uh, science continues to evolve and the CDC recommendations continue to evolve. The NFL takes their cues from that. And so, yeah, you're going to have to kind of adapt as this thing moves along.
0: It is an interesting timeframe that we're talking to you because I feel like the Delta variant, kind of like the numbers are going back up and we're at a point now where it's starting to feel a little bit like, are we going down this road again? You know, are we going to start closing down again? What does that mean for purposes of our conversation with regard to the NFL season? Is, is there a sense when you're out there of hesitation of like, whether or not this might mirror last season in any way, or do you get the sense from the NFL and teams that they kind of have a grasp on the way that they would handle, even if it got to that point, that they would do things differently this year?
1: Well, certainly the NFL has already issued some guidance, Lindsay, to clubs. Um, One in particular that got a lot of attention a couple weeks ago when I reported it was uh, teams having to forfeit if they have an outbreak among unvaccinated individuals that causes a game to be delayed that can't be rescheduled. We know that there were a bunch of occasions last year, and really, it all centered around two or three issues. Uh, one big one involving the Titans, one big one involving the Ravens, and that kind of had a trickle down effect on some other teams where games were rescheduled, they're pushed back a day. There was one or two occasions where they really shuffled the schedule around, and it was kind of like, okay, this is as much as we can do. What the NFL has said is, you know, if it's if you have issues involving vaccinated people, they will make reasonable effort to reschedule. If it's unvaccinated people that trigger an outbreak, then they're not going to look kindly on that. And so, you know, I was in Minnesota on Saturday when the Vikings, you know, put out that there were multiple players who were not going to be available for that practice because of COVID protocols. And I quickly found out it was Kirk Cousins and it was Kellen Mond who had tested positive. And there was another quarterback, Nate Stanley. And all of a sudden you had Jake Browning out there uh, as the only quarterback for the Saturday night practice. Browning made the most of that. Yeah. And he made the most of the fact that he was the one fully vaccinated quarterback uh, who was on the team. And listen, I, I understand that. Wait,
0: uh, backing up for just a second. That yeah. is the case? Because I, I was wondering if it was just close contacts. Uh, well, that's, I, that's My read thing. of it was that Kirk Cousins could have been fully vaccinated and that if he was just a close contact, they would have had to pull no. him out. Or would they only no, have had to pull because... him out if he tested positive?
1: No, you... Are the only people who can be forced to isolate under the current NFL, NFL PA protocols are unvaccinated players. So that's mm-hmm. how you know, even though you know, the league can't release who's vaccinated and who's not, when somebody gets put on the COVID list and it's not from a positive test, you know, at minimum, they are not fully vaccinated, meaning 14 days out from their one shot, Johnson Johnson, two shots of the other, or had one shot plus had a documented positive COVID result, in the past, all those things make you fully vaccinated. So that's where when you hear the frustration from Mike Zimmer, it really comes down to you have decisions that are being made uh, by certain individuals, specifically players that are affecting the rest of the team. They also had to um, you know, figure out what to do with Rick Dennison, their offensive line coach and run game coordinator, because uh, the rules on staff are different. Coaches are not protected by a union, so there's no collective bargaining process. Rick Dennison was is not getting vaccinated he did not get a medical or religious exemption. And so, you know, there was one report that he's out. He was not out. He just, he can't be around the players. So obviously you need to add another person to the mix, which is how, you know, I knew about that months earlier, the Vikings have been working on it for a long time because they knew you can't have a, you know, your offensive line coach, not, physically there with players. Even if you get an accommodation, there's different rules. You have to wear a mask all the time. You can't travel with the team. You know, these are all, and all this could change. These are just the preseason and training camp protocols, Lindsay. So where we are in September potentially could be different. And we also know that there's new stuff coming out from the CDC in terms of, you know, guidance on masking indoors for certain vaccinated individuals or in certain portions of the country. You know, what is that guidance going to look like? How are some of the states and local authorities going to enact this? I mean, if, if in Los Angeles County this fall, there's a mandatory indoor mask mandate for all people, everyone so far is going to be wearing masks. And if there's a, you can't have more than 50% capacity, that would not go well with the NFL, but you know they're going to have to figure out, is there an exemption that can take place because you know of, of whatever they might be able to work out or is it going to be yet to follow the rules? I mean, the one thing the NFL has done all along is they've followed the guidance, they've adapted the guidance, they've been in constant communication with the CDC, with other sports leagues. But, you know, at a time where, again, the line continues to be from the NFL, full stadiums, fans want to come back, everybody's going to be there. If something comes down from the federal government saying, no, you can't do that, then that becomes a different issue. We're not at that place yet. We still anticipate there's going to be full stadiums. They've sold all the tickets, so they're definitely hoping that. Uh, but you just don't know because we're still, what, six weeks out from the opener. And as we've seen so many times in the past 17 months here, things can change.
0: Are there mandates across the NFL or is this team by team that staff members get vaccinated? I know there is no mandate for players, just a strong push. Recommendation. Yeah, no, that is,
1: that is mandated for all Tier 1 and Tier 2 staff to maintain um, your tier one, tier two status, which includes all coaches and thus the ability to work with players, you have to be fully vaccinated or get a medical or religious exemption. I'm aware of a couple, uh, situations where people did get those exemptions. Again, they're still subject to additional restrictions during travel in terms of, you know, wearing a mask all the time. Um, But yes, that is something that is mandated at the league level, again, because there's not a union that that protects coaches or staff members. So there have been hard decisions for some people within the league. Yeah, there's people who worked in the building, you know, in the spring, and then they had to make a decision. Am I going to go on, live my life like this? Am I going to have to sit in my office the whole year and not see anyone? Or am I going to get vaccinated? And people ultimately have to make their own decisions on that.
0: Are you aware of any staff members who have chosen, uh, aside from Dennison, who you mentioned, who ultimately was not let go, was just moved into a different role, who has made that choice to remain unvaccinated and therefore lose their position?
1: I'm aware of some who were still debating that as recently as last week. And, um, you know, there are, again, there are some coaches I'm aware of who got exemptions. And so they will be with the team. it will be very easy to identify who they are because they're going to be wearing masks on the sideline when you see them on Sundays are in the coaches booth. So, and again, all this is subject to change. What I'm saying right now may not be what the rules are a month from now, but as of now, uh, that's where we stand.
0: You just tweeted out, we're talking on Tuesday afternoon, and you tweeted out that the NFL is now 90% vaccinated. That means players, Play, exactly play. right. Yes. Right. That, what does that mean? That they've all had at least one shot? That they're fully vaccinated? We're, what, what exactly on are we looking way, at here?
1: Yes. On the way to vaccination, which it would mean either you've had bull shots uh, or the single shot Johnson-Johnson or one shot plus um, a previous COVID test. But this also includes anybody who is on their way. In other words, they might still be within the 14 days. You know, Another dynamic here that we haven't even talked about, Lindsay, is the people who aren't on rosters currently. Yeah. And I have, again, because as you said, I've, you know, I'm kind of the COVID guy, uh, or at least the person who knows the memos and the protocols. I get questions every day from agents like, hey, my guy got vaccinated. I got that question this morning. My guy got uh, vaccinated, single shot, Johnson & Johnson. Does he have to wait 14 days to try out? Like, well, no. Currently, if you're still within the 14 days, you just have to go through a five-day onboarding process, whereas vaccinated individuals can try out immediately. But every, you know, there's all these different uh, scenarios. One thing that you're going to see, and I really believe this, is because people keep talking about, well, when they go through final cuts, the vaccination percentage is going to drop because all the bubble guys are vaccinated and the guys who are actually on the roster are not. That's true to a degree, but, you know, there are definitely guys who are on the bubble who are not vaccinated. And when teams are setting their practice squads, that 100%, is going to be a consideration. I had a GM tell me that the other night. He goes, I'm not going to have a single unvaccinated guy on my practice squad. Why would I? Practice squad is all about availability. I can't have that guy get taken out as a close contact, which again, if at the Minnesota situation, we understand who is vaccinated and who is not. Because if you are fully vaccinated, you can't under the protocols be ruled a high risk close contact. And in fact, even if you're a regular close contact, you don't have to isolate at all. You test, you're still in the building. You know, again, we can debate right and wrong and how the league should approach this, but these are the rules as they stand right now. And so, why would clubs keep anybody around who's not fully vaccinated, knowing that that could impact their availability, which is exactly why you have a practice squad to begin with?
0: One thing I'm curious about, and I don't know if you would even know the answer, uh, but maybe you've had conversations with people and have some sort of an idea, is how many people, and this is just anecdotal, I would assume. Um, that are kind of in that lower tier practice squad, people that are trying to make a roster that are vaccinated or are, I guess, more to the point, unvaccinated. I'm wondering how many people who feel like they can't afford to take a stance are still taking a stance.
1: Well, there's close to, let's just use round numbers, close to 3,000 players currently on NFL rosters. Based upon those numbers that are reported today, that means 2,700 of them are vaccinated or on the way. So that's only 300 holdouts league-wide, which averages out to fewer than 10 per team. And we know there are some teams that are close to 100%. Everybody's above 50%. I believe everybody's above 60% or so. Yeah, just the uh, 70. Yeah, I don't know the exact, the exact low point, because again, this is you know, a daily calculation. But you know, most teams are, are pretty high percentage. So it's, it's actually a fairly small number, but it's still a significant number, because again, especially if it's one of your really good players, if it's your quarterback, if it's your star receiver, and that person gets taken out, not maybe not even just once, maybe that happens repeatedly, because of how everything is with, you know, the masking uh, rules are different, and the social distancing rules are different. And so anybody who's around other people, even if they're able to operate a certain way, because they're vaccinated under the rules, the unvaccinated person who comes into their orbit is the person who repeatedly is going to be identified as a close contact. You know, one of the the concerns, I know this is something the players union has been talking about too, is when you remove all the restrictions for vaccinated individuals, you run the risk, especially the, the, uh, testing mandate Unvaccinated players right now being tested every day, vaccinated being tested every two weeks. So, you know, I had one coach say to me yesterday, you, you could have a situation where you never even know someone was positive if they were vaccinated. Let's say they would have tested positive on day two, the day after they tested. Now, 12 days later, they might not test positive. Meanwhile, they've infected how many other people around them that are all vaccinated because those people don't have restrictions. And that's a tough thing because you also have to remember the league and the union all along, their strategy was about education and incentives to get players vaccinated. Well, there are definitely a lot of people who made the ultimate decision, even if they were concerned. Uh, whether about their job status or about long-term effects of the vaccine, whatever it might be, who did it because I want my life to be easier. So then to come back to those people and go, actually, now your mask is going back on. Actually, you can't use the sun. Actually, you can't eat with your teammates. Actually travel is still going to be different. There's going to be a lot of pissed off people about that. And so these are all the delicate matters. Again, the NFL has been consistent on following the science, science, following the CDC guidelines. They've been in a different category all throughout because they've had more resources, quite frankly, than, you know, the broad swath of America, you know, last year when everyone's gone, how can they, how can they have these people around each other every day? And in groups, it's like, because they're being tested every day, multiple times by the end of the year, they were taking a PCR and a basic test every single day. And they were wearing masks at all times. They were wearing masks in walkthroughs. They, everybody was in the intensive protocols at the end of the year. Wearing
0: those like wrist things that They're told people the con- whether they were within the proximity of someone yeah. who had tested which positive. Which we're wearing those
1: this year too. Media's Are wearing you- those too if we're in tier 2M. Uh, and everybody's got different rules on that. You know, in Cincinnati, was it has to be, the red light has to be facing out. So you can tell if it starts to beep, somebody can see it. You know, there's some of them, depending on who you're close to, that it can set off uh, like an alarm. You know, there were, I mean, there were, there were, funny, Wait, what, do you, you know, what, kinda, what
0: is the alarm? Yeah. I don't understand. Like that you got close to somebody? Yes. Oh.
1: You're within 60 feet. So if the alarm goes off, and that's with, I think that only goes, don't quote me on this. Specifically
0: quarterbacks? I'd, like you just, you I, know, no, just, I think
1: it's tier, I think it's tier one individuals. Kidding. So that'd be players or that would be uh, staff members who are in tier one. And so also the alarm would go off. I had somebody said to me day, like, oh, hold on, I'm just back up. I mean, this is just, you know, there were stories from last year which are like, they're funny. The COVID is not funny, but there are stories that are like this kind of dark humor about. You know, there was one facility where uh, they realized for a while that nobody could figure out why their their devices were constantly going off because the walls were so thin that if like you were leaned up against the wall, the person on the other side it would buzz both of you and say you're too close. I mean, oh, you know, but this is, this is how the only way that you the data. I mean, the NFL, in a lot of ways, did what you should be doing from a public health perspective in terms of. Regular testing in terms of social distancing, in terms of tracking and knowing who's around who. There's other countries uh, that do it that way. You know, the United States was just significantly more relaxed on that front. Obviously, we're you know a massive country, and have, it, it's complicated. But the NFL has stuck with what they've heard from the public health authorities, the medical experts. They've followed that all along. And you know, the reality of science is science changes. You gather new information viruses evolve, and this is going to be a continued evolving process through this entire season. The challenges are going to be different, but you're going to have challenges. That's just the way it is.
0: Let me go back to the testing and the differences between the vaccinated and unvaccinated players. I understand the desire to incentivize vaccinations, but I also see the point that people are bringing up to you that the less frequent testing could also be problematic. Is there a medical explanation that supports less frequent testing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's based on, you know, in part, CDC guidance. It's based on, um, you know, what they know about the vaccines. And certainly it's an incentive. There's no question. It, it works on, you know, several different levels. And, you know, the incentives piece of it, you know, they've pushed, you know, and it, it progressed to the point of, you know, quite frankly, threats of the forfeits and things like that. I mean, the NFL and football in general, has always rightly or wrongly been a culture of team above self. It's always been getting everybody on board. You don't want to do, you don't want to run, you don't want to wake up early, you don't want to lift, you don't want to practice hard, whatever. You're hurting the team. And so coaches have you know, tried in a lot of cases to push vaccines based upon not the medical part of it, even though some of them brought in medical experts, but the competitive aspects of it. And so very much the NFL has created A system, again, this is training camp and preseason protocols, we get evolved by the regular season, but under the current protocols, it very much potentially punishes teams, even more so than individuals, uh, for violations. You know, for individuals, you go after people's wallets uh, in terms of if a game is forfeited or a game is not played, nobody on either team gets paid. If you're an unvaccinated individual and you go to a bar, nightclub, sporting event, whatever, and you get COVID and you give it to your team, you're getting fined. Even if you don't get COVID, you and you post it on Instagram, they can find you. You know, there, there's a lot of different, you know, again levels to this, and I understand. And I've heard, had conversations with people, um, you know, who are against uh, getting the vaccine and have not gotten the vaccine, and they don't like the way that this has been pushed, and they have you know various uh, reasons for that. You know, I, I mean, I can't. I'm not a doctor. I can't talk them out of it. I, I certainly understand the frustration in terms of, you know, kind of that dual message of you have a choice, but you don't have a choice. Right. But, you know, the NFL is a, a private business and so are the teams and they can make their own rules. These are the rules that they've, they've chosen to make and people who don't follow them. Uh, you know, even if it's a, as little as, you know, her cousins got too close to Kellen Mond without a mask or whatever, whatever the circumstances works, so I don't know the details you're out for five days and now you're going to have to come back and answer questions about why you weren't vaccinated.
0: Will we ultimately know who on the team is vaccinated and unvaccinated? We'll have some instances, as you've mentioned, if they go on the COVID list where there will be clues. There was some talk about bracelets earlier, uh, identifying unvaccinated players on the practice field. Where do we stand in terms of um, isolating who falls into what
1: category? As of now, there's nothing on a league-wide level that would um, in any way outwardly identify people. And in fact, they've rolled back some of the things that did, such as no longer need to wear masks during media interviews, which was a pretty blatant tell when a couple of high-profile players did that uh, early on in training camp, but in one interview I saw on NFL Network, the moment that you see the mask, you know, it's it's pretty apparent. They now have rolled that back as long as the interviews are outdoors, as long as you are socially distanced. Again, this is kind of a, You know, it is definitely a moving target, but no, in terms of, you know, some kind of a system, a sticker on the helmet, anything like that, as of this moment, not that it can't change, but as of this moment, that does not exist.
0: What is the story about the bracelets?
1: Well, there were some teams that were doing it uh, inside the facility, and that was in large part because vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals have different rules in a lot of ways remember last year there were actually each team had to designate i'm trying to remember what the title was it was something like the mask enforcer or the mask uh oh man i can't these are the things Lindsay, that eventually like, got blocked out Yeah, the covid like, somehow, protocol guy yeah it was but it was like literally it was like you had to identify one or two or three people who would just be in charge of get your masks up like on the sideline during the game hey guys spread out you're all standing Punt team, we're standing too close together. Instead of the get
0: back guys, the mask up guy. Yes. And that was like
1: a real thing that they instituted and they eventually changed the name because they realized the name was, you know, probably just sounded a little bit silly, but like that was a real thing. So then you still want people doing that within the facility because you don't want your players being labeled close contacts. You don't want the team getting fined if they pull the surveillance footage, you know, or they pull the Kinexon data and realize you weren't doing anything to stop it. Well, how do you do that without remembering off the top of your head on a 90-man roster? This guy is, this guy isn't. So there were different things the teams were talking about doing. I believe the Bucs, Bruce Arian, said they were doing something inside the facility, not at practice, um, where they were able to tell the difference between people. There's other teams that aren't doing it. You know, That part is all a team-by-team basis, but really that's just a, a safeguard to try to make sure that people are, are following the rules and the people charged with enforcing the rules actually you know, have the best chance to do that. But the
0: teams individually will all know who on their roster has the vaccine and who doesn't have the vaccine and they legally can ask and there's no HIPAA, (laughs) Dak Prescott. Um, They are permitted
1: permitted to ask that teams are permitted to ask, you know, trial players and why again, because the protocols are different because, Hey, is your guy vaccinated? No. Well, then he's got to go through a five-day onboarding before we can try him out. If You are vaccinated flying that same day and that absolutely is impacting which guys are getting tryouts which guys are getting signed you know i had a i had a gm say to me the other day because you know you've got quarterback situations going on guys are getting hurt situation in minnesota and, and the gm said to me there aren't guys out there who are vaccinated and can throw in other <laughs> words like when you're looking at the list you're going well no he's bad he's bad he's all right but he he's not vaccinated so it's going to take us a week to get him here and that you know again you're not allowed. The NFL came out after Brandon Bean made that comment about, would you cut an unvaccinated player to get to the percentage? The NFL said you can't do it strictly based upon that. Well, what's the NFL done by creating the rules that they have or, you know, saying you're going to forfeit based upon unvaccinated players. The NFL itself has basically cut all those guys, some of them before yeah. they're actually even on a roster. And that's just, you know, that that's kind of a function of this. And And now know, again, we'll just
0: listen to all the coaches and general managers lie to us. Oh, I, yeah. mean, no, I mean, because we all understand if there's a competitive right. advantage or disadvantage to be had and two players right. are roughly even, then you obviously, as the team, are going to take the player that is a, a better availability prospect, right? There's so, no
1: question. And you're going to, again, you're going to see it um, in the makeup of practice. I think you're going to see it even more so in, than in the cuts in the makeup of practice squads, Because ultimately, you know, there's some guys who you're who you're cutting, who they might, you could have got them on the 53, but you know you get them through waivers. They're unlikely to be claimed. So you cut them and bring them back on the practice squad. When you see those practice squads being made up, and again, we're not going to have some master list here, but you, you will have a pretty good idea that 90 plus percent of the guys who get signed back to the practice squads are vaccinated because teams need those guys to be available.
0: Do you anticipate that we'll see a cut that will be for COVID purposes, whether it's acknowledged as that or not, that will surprise us? Like, are we just talking about bubble guys for the most part or will there be somebody that's in that mid tier? I guess where I'm getting at is like, is is a Cole Beasley really at risk of being cut or a player that's in that Cole Beasley category when we talk about this and that's a question mark surrounding him? Is that actually likely?
1: If Cole Beasley is one of the Bills, you know, four best receivers, which I would think he would be, I haven't been to that camp and I haven't, you know, specifically asked that question. I would anticipate he's on the roster. But that's those aren't the guys you're talking about. I mean, there's 20 to 30 untouchable guys on every roster who you know that they're on the team. You're talking more, you're talking about the, you know, sixth receiver who's making the team. It used to be, does he play special teams or not? Is he young or old? Those were kind of the deciding factors. Now, the extra one is, is he vaccinated? That's where you're you're gonna see it. And again, even more so in terms of who you bring back onto the roster because you don't want to have your numbers dip to keep a practice squad guy, and then have a guy who, if this guy who's on 53, gets COVID, well, he's been in the meeting room with the unvaccinated practice squad guy. Now neither of them can play on Sunday. Like, what's even the point?
0: One of the things that I've thought has been interesting is the variation between teams, right? You have a lot of teams that have high vaccination percentages at this point, and then you have a few teams that are lower, like the variance between teams, I think is interesting because what we've seen in the larger population is we all know that this plays out somewhat regionally, their political pockets that kind of feel differently. And so there are ways that you could sort of go, well, that makes sense that there's less vaccinated people there and that there's more vaccinated people there. but. The NFL isn't like that, even though the NFL cities are regional, the people who play for those teams are all from various places. So have you been able to figure out why it is like if if there's any theme within those teams as to why certain teams have much lower numbers than others and some are very high?
1: Well, I I don't want to paint with a broad brush on that question. I would I would say. A lot of the teams that you've heard of struggling to get their vaccination numbers up are teams whose leaders are not vaccinated, uh, whose quarterbacks may not be vaccinated, because naturally you're looking to, you know, I mean, as much as you should go to your primary care physician and talk to them about a vaccine, not your quarterback, guys are going to look and say, well, if he's not doing it, I'm not going to, you know, again, back to that whole team over self thing, I'm not going to make the, he's not doing it. Why should I make that sacrifice to go against what I think is right, whether that you know, is medically backed up or not. Um, and then some of the teams that have really high percentages are some of the teams that they've had their leaders speak out and say, yeah, I'm vaccinated and you should get vaccinated too. You know, Travis Kelsey was one guy who talked about, you know, he had to think about it, you know, and he was, he had a hesitancy, but now he got it. And now he encourages everyone else to get it. One of the first quarterbacks, well, the first player, the first star player I heard of that got vaccinated way back in like February uh, was Patrick Mahomes. He was one of the very first guys to, to get vaccinated. So, you know, you hear that and he's, you know, he's got a young baby at home and things like that. I mean, everybody's got personal situations and that's where like, you know, I get, <laughs> I get a lot of messages as Dave shots calling me again. I will, I'll get back. To him.
0: Chill um, out Dave shot, Dave shot works on the NFL network assignment desk. So.
1: <laughs> exactly. No, he still, he wants to know if I'm going to, uh, to Atlanta or not. Um, you know, I, I think that I get messages all the time you know, I mean, on a daily basis from people, you know, calling me a left wing, you know, carrying out the NFL and the, you know, the, the federal government's message on, you know, vaccinations and all this stuff. It's like, no, I'm I'm reporting what the rules are. You know, for me, it's just the objective, like, I don't know what you're gonna do. I'm not judging you, but here's what the rules are. And yes, they're completely stilted toward vaccinated people. That's just how it is. The NFL strategy and the NFLPA strategy, because remember, they are in concert. That's the other thing that gets misinterpreted here. This is not the NFL forcing anything. In fact, they're not forcing players to get the vaccine. But what the union and the league have agreed to is we're going to make it really difficult for guys who don't, because we think, and our medical experts think, everyone should get vaccinated. Um, you know, but you know, you're talking about individuals. They have to, you know, you have to make your own choices. There's plenty of employers nationwide right now who are requiring vaccines. And you're going to see that more and more. You're seeing it at the federal level. You're seeing it with individual businesses. I'm sure there's plenty of, you know, attorneys who want to dive into this because I get their emails that they send out. Talk to this attorney about why this is unconstitutional. It's like, "I I don't know about any of that. All I know is the NFL is a business that's making its own rules, that's operating within federal labor law to do so. I'm not aware of any, you know, current legal challenge to that. And so you know, they're, they've set their rules. Here's what they are. Everybody's got to make their own decision, but yeah, your life's going to be more difficult if you're not vaccinated.
0: Just want to clarify and reiterate some of the reporting that you have done with regard to what the advantages will be, what, you know, teams with higher vaccination numbers can do versus others that can't. Um, you mentioned the memo that the NFL sent out back in July that caused a stir that um, outlined what would happen if a game had to be canceled due to an outbreak. Uh, the penalties were f- fairly steep there, again, incentively driven in large part. What exactly were the penalties?
1: Uh, did so, that- yeah, so some of the penalties were um, fines for a variety of different activities, around $14,000 for a first offense in terms of, again, unvaccinated people going to a bar, going to a nightclub, going to a sporting event, concert, uh, any of those types of things. And then it was like, you know, if there are fewer than more than 10 people there, there are a bunch of different things, but. 14,000 and then for everybody one tweak they made was for everybody vaccinated or unvaccinated if you refuse to take a covid test, you refuse to wear your connects on tracking device it's $50,000 fine for a first offense. And I'm not aware of a whole lot of situations with that last year. I know there were issues um you know with the Raiders among other teams where part of the reason that they had so many guys remember when they lost their whole offensive line for the week, they got some of them back, but it was a, it was a big issue was cuz Trent Brown wasn't wearing his his tracking device. And so they could find them. And now it's the league and the team, either one can find Whereas last year it was technically the team, but then the league started finding people too. And that was a whole, a whole other thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that part of it's going to continue to evolve, but the fines for, um, you know, whatever they're defining, I can't remember if they're calling it high risk COVID behavior, that's what it was last year, but those fines are, are going to be what they are.
0: And if they have to cancel a game, you mentioned that they would, um, Will they try to reschedule if they can, or are they going to take a hard line on that?
1: They will try, but it also um, was made pretty clear that if it is a outbreak uh, or, or COVID issue that's related to vaccinated individuals, that they will make every effort to reschedule the game. If it is unvaccinated individuals that are responsible for the outbreak, then you know it's pretty clear that they're not going to bend over backwards uh, to to make up the game. And so, the, players,
0: the players on both teams in that scenario would lose their
1: paychecks? Uh, yes, and that part's not new. That was part of the uh, the deal last year, too. So the original agreement that was agreed to right about one year ago when they finally got camps going was that neither team would get paid if the game were not played. In addition to that, this year, teams would be disciplined more. And this is a part that's outside the scope of the labor talks with the union the 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 union dictates everything or you know works with the league on matters pertaining to players. The what the NFL has done to ramp this up this year is the forfeit issue. It is saying the clubs would need to basically pay the other teams expenses if they're responsible for the outbreak. That's you the owner to, incentive. Yes, you would right? need to, to push... make up right, the visiting team share, which is the part that's divided up among all the different teams, you would have to pay in any difference that was lost. So pretty significant financial penalties too. You know, and I've had people ask me, well, how are they going to know? How are they going to know if it's a vaccinated or unvaccinated person who's responsible for it? Well, they did it last year. They worked with a lab uh, to do genomic sequencing in some of the big cases like Tennessee and Baltimore, where they can trace it back and figure out, you know, if you have four players who test positive, is it all the same strain of virus? Or is it possible because COVID's everywhere, that you had four different people who all got it from community spread and they all happened to test positive at the same time. And they were actually able to figure that out. The Ravens at one point put out a a statement saying that they found four different strains. I think it was uh, within the 20 plus or 30 plus staff people and players who tested positive. And so you knew, yes, there was clearly spread within the facility, but also that shows how many different entry points it had, you know, the biggest enemy to the virus is transmission. In other words, if the virus has nowhere to go, if it can't transmit, then, you know, eventually it, it can, peter out. That's the entire, you know, idea or theory of herd immunity. And so the NFL strategy was, okay, we know COVID's going to come in. We can't allow COVID to spread. And where you had spread was where you had lapses. You know, in Tennessee, there were certain lapses. In Baltimore, there was a strength coach who ended up getting suspended who had not been wearing his mask. And he's the guy who's around every single player. He got COVID, didn't report symptoms, came in, is working up close with people in the weight room, and a bunch of people ended up getting COVID. But that was not the only way that it spread. Again, the NFL. One of the things they said repeatedly was, "It's not." What they found was it was not a failure of protocols; it was a failure of people. When you had outbreaks, and there weren't that many within the league. I mean, the yeah. two big ones that I'm mentioning: there was the Tennessee issue, there was the um, there was the Baltimore issue, then there were smaller ones like you know New England. Where initially it was Cam Newton tested positive, then Stefan Gilmore tested positive. It turned out they had dinner together. And so you knew that and that was barred at the time. You weren't supposed to be doing that, so they knew that's how you know that's how that one spread. And a few other players ended up getting it there too. But when people followed the protocols, you did not see that spread. And to go back to the concerns about where the restrictions are at this point or the lack thereof for vaccinated individuals, it's the fact that even if you know as vaccinated people, scientifically speaking, you're much less likely to have a serious outcome, be hospitalized, be on a respirator. You can look at the data on all that, but you still can get it and spread it because from the things I've read on the Delta variant, you, you can keep you know large amounts of the virus in your nose and your throat. Again, I'm not a doctor. Don't take this as medical advice. I just know what they say. So then could you have an outbreak of vaccinated individuals? Because they're all allowed to eat lunch together and they can go in the sauna together. You know, they can be in the weight room without masks together. Those are some of the places that we've seen it spread in the past. And so are you in a viable situation or are we going to have eventually an outbreak of vaccinated individuals? They all have symptoms, but they're not sick. You know, they're not really, really sick. And then, you know, what do you do? So those are those are the things the NFL is going to be grappling with as we get closer uh, to the start of the league year. But they're tough decisions, again, because a lot of people bought into getting vaccinated even if they had uh, hesitation about it because my life's going to be a lot better what if it's not people are not going to be pleased about that
0: last question we heard zimmer when talking about his frustration with regard to their quarterback situation and the unvaccinated uh nature of it talk about the possibility of having to get creative during this season and have like a quarantined quarterback or something like that Are you hearing any teams throw ideas like that around of plan Bs in case things do pop up during the season, ways that they can protect their competitive advantages if something like this were to pop up? Or was that primarily his frustration speaking?
1: Well, there were teams that did it last year, too, and had the quarantine quarterback. Ideally, this year, you wouldn't have to do that because of where the restrictions are on vaccinated. Uh, individuals in terms of those guys can't be ruled a high-risk close contact that's how everything happened last year when you lost whole position groups was it was usually they were all together one person tested positive you know in Cleveland it was the linebacker got in the hot tub with a bunch of the receivers and he had COVID they didn't but they lost all of them for the game in Denver it was that they were all in the meeting room together had their masks down around their chins for a while And the NFL found surveillance video of it. They had not been entirely forthright about it. Well, then the league took out all the quarterbacks. They ended up with uh, Kendall Hint uh, playing quarterback. Again, because under the current protocols, vaccinated individuals cannot be ruled high risk, close contacts, and forced to isolate and be taken out of commission and go on the COVID list and not be able to practice or play. You shouldn't have that issue unless you have a position group, a room, such as the Vikings did with quarterbacks, where. Most, if not all of them, are unvaccinated. That's how you end up with Jake Browning taking the entire practice's worth of of uh, snaps, which from a business standpoint for Jake Browning, pretty smart move to be the one guy who's fully vaccinated in the room, but not really a viable thing uh, for clubs as they're trying to set their rosters. It's a whole new thing for GMs. Just like last year, there's unique challenges, and those challenges, you know, much to everybody's chagrin, they're going to continue to evolve. The protocols are going to evolve because the science and the guidance from, um, you know, federal bodies is going to change too.
0: Really good job explaining all this stuff, Tom. I really appreciate it. You've just, uh, been crushing all of the vaccination reporting. It's such a complicated subject and rest in peace to your mentions. I mean, just the conversations that are taking place there. I don't even know if you check them anymore or if Twitter's, you had to Twitter's like a bad, tap out.
1: Yeah. Twitter's a bad metric for anything. Um, <laughs> Yes. I had one guy who said, like, he sent me a, a direct message on Instagram being like, You blocked me on Twitter, so I want to say this again. And then went at me with like the <laughs> whole thing. And I'm just like, Yeah, block again. Like, dude, that's a <laughs> lot of effort to come after me for, like, you know, being for information. Right. For literally relaying the information. I have never, you go back through my tweets, yeah. did anything political, given anybody advice. I'm just saying, This is what's going on. You know, that's that's what we try to do, Lindsay, as you know, as reporters is just try to relay the information as it's happening, not um, dictate public policy or thought.
0: Well, uh, good luck on your training camp tour and go ahead and call Dave Schott back and tell him where you want to fly after
1: Seattle. I'm sure here's the thing. I'm sure he's already decided where I'm going. It was my decision until it's not.
0: I don't want to cost you that. If you need me to call and like, you know, no, add some good. pressure or whatever, we can do the strength in numbers. You go where yeah. you want to go. <laughs> uh, we're all Tom, good. You're awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, yeah.
0: All right. Well, I hope that was helpful. And obviously, all of the COVID related stuff is fluid. I feel like we have to add a disclaimer to all of this. But Tom is a great source of information for. All of this kind of stuff. And regular football stuff also. He's not just, you know, 24-7 COVID guy. So if you are not following him already on Twitter, I highly recommend you do. His handle is at Tom Pellicero. It's just his name. Ease up on his mentions, though. Remember, he's just the messenger. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd appreciate you doing that. The NFL Roadshow is also available on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts and we'll pop up. For video clips of the show and more, follow me on Twitter at Lindsay underscore Rhodes. And on Instagram, I am at Lindsay Rhodes NFL. The NFL Roadshow is part of the Serious XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Andrew Emmer. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. XM. And a special thanks to Serious XM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve McCullen. Serious XM Podcasts.